Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. I hope that your Sunday has started well. I hope that your fall has started well. I know it doesn't feel like fall. Does anybody... Like, I just want to see a pumpkin. I just want to see a morning of 40s and 50s. I want to see an afternoon in the 80s, not in the 107s. But uh, it'll it'll come soon enough. Uh, I went to uh, the Yuba City football game on uh, whatever, Friday night. And uh, it was good. It was kind of like, man, getting back into fall rhythms, going to Friday night football games, and uh, sweating a lot at those football games, those first few Friday night games. But but it was, a, it was a good time. And I know your family probably, like ours, kind of begins to get back into some different rhythms uh, as we get back into school and we're back from kind of all of our summer trips. One of the things our family likes to do uh, really all year long, but, but as we get back into rhythms uh, in the kind of school years, we try to get everybody together at least one night a week, maybe, I mean, if we're really lucky, twice a week for, for dinner. And uh, we have, uh, you know, two kids that live at our house, and then my son, he lives in Marysville. And so uh, it's, it's just fun to get everybody together and kind of hang out, have dinner together. And usually, at some point in our dinner or our time together, we'll start talking about something that happened in the past or something funny. And, and so we just have some good discussions. And this last time that we were together, uh, we were, our, one of the last couple times that we were together, uh, it was brought up that one of our kids has the personality type that when they want something or when they see something ahead of them, they're really good at basically moving anything out of the way to get to that. And uh, I have that similar personality, and that can be a really good thing or it can be a, a bad thing. And, and, and maybe you're, you're like that as well. Maybe you're the type of person, whether you're watching online or you're here, that man, when you see something that you're shooting for and there are several obstacles in your way, first of all, you're frustrated by the obstacles, but then man, you do anything you can and you are just have a unique ability maybe to move away those obstacles to get what you're trying to get or to reach a goal or to kind of make something happen. And, and whether you have that personality or not, None of us like to have obstacles in our way that are unnecessary. Whether you have that personality where you just move things out of the way when they're in your way, or whether you have a, a, a maybe a little bit more laid back personality, we all get frustrated when there's an unnecessary obstacle in our way when we're trying to get something done. And that, that obviously is no fun in our job. It's no fun in a hobby or something we're trying to accomplish. But where it gets really devastating and where it can really hurt us in, in kind of for the long term is when it comes to faith. When it comes to people putting unnecessary obstacles and barriers in our way from connecting with Jesus and growing in our faith. And, and unfortunately, over the years, the church has been one of the organizations that has 
been one of the greatest barrier builders in some cases to people connecting with Jesus and really moving forward in their faith. And you know this because it's some of your stories. And here's what I mean. There's, there's some, maybe somebody watching online or there's some people here this morning that you had a season in your life when you walked away from the church where you, for whatever reason, decided, hey, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of the church. Or maybe you grew up and, and you never were a part of it and you just didn't see a reason for it. And, and probably it had nothing to do with Jesus or what he taught. In a lot of cases, you didn't walk away from the church because you hated Jesus. In a lot of cases, you didn't even walk away from the church because of something that Jesus taught. There was another barrier. There was another obstacle that in your story, as you think back over your story, you think about, you know what? Hey, here was the obstacle or here was the barrier. or Here was the way of thinking or here was how I was treated. And maybe the obstacle had to do with you. Maybe it was what someone did to you. But probably if you have had a season in your life when you have walked away from faith and the church, most likely it had nothing to do with who Jesus is and maybe nothing to do with even what he really taught. But it was something else. It was something else that pushed you away. And, and from the beginning of City Walk, as we prayed through who we would be and what we would be, were kind of called to do, one of the things that we wanted to, from the very beginning, one of the things that we wanted to be very clear about was we would be a place that removes unnecessary barriers to people connecting with Jesus. From the beginning, when we think about, hey, who are we and what are we called to do? It was very clear from the very beginning that we wanted to be a place that consistently tore away unnecessary barriers to people connecting with Jesus. And one of the reasons we feel so strongly about this is because of a story that even if you didn't grow up in the church, you may have heard this story. It's found in a few different Gospels, but we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, and it's a story that really lends some, some credibility and really some power to this idea of removing unnecessary barriers to people meeting Jesus. And so if you have your Bible or your app, you can, you can look up, or maybe it'll be up on the screen. Look at Mark chapter 2 as we dive into this story about something that Jesus did says this. It says, when he, talking about Jesus, when he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So Jesus had been out doing ministry. He had been healing people. He had been teaching. He had been kind of out and about throughout the area doing a lot of stuff. And then he was finally back. And probably for him, home was probably Peter's house. And so he was, he was home. He had he'd gotten back from his ministry trip. And when he got back, it says this in verse 2. So many people gathered together, and it says they, that they gathered together that there was, there was so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. So, so he was, Jesus is in Peter's house. He's, man, he's been out and about. He's, maybe he's, he's got like, he's been waiting to watch a game, or he DVR'd something. He's like, finally home. I'm going to take some time and 
and just rest and kind of catch up on some stuff. And, but man, he's a pretty popular guy. And so people hear, hey, Jesus is, is home. He's at Peter's house. And so, man, back then, hospitality was a really big thing. And people didn't feel like rude. To, by, they would just come over to your house and it was just part of life. And so Jesus is, is at Peter's house and he's kind of just laying back and, and people start coming and, and they start coming so much that, man, the place is full. It's packed. I mean, there's not even a space in the doorway to, to, to come in. It's, it's totally full. And he's, he's teaching them about God and about how to have a relationship with God. And then this is what happens. It says this in verse 3. It says, they, and we know based on what we'll read in other places, that they meant four guys. Handful of guys and a buddy of theirs that they were trying to help. It says, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. So these guys, they, man, they have a buddy that's a paralytic that's, you know, he's, He's probably had this for many, many years, maybe since birth. And man, they, like everybody else, has heard about Jesus. They've heard that he heals. They've, they've, they've kind of heard the story. Maybe they've seen him do some of it. And so, man, they've got an opportunity to go see Jesus. And so they get their buddy and they head to where Jesus is at. And, and it says this, since they were not able, I mean, it was so full, they weren't able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So, man, they're, they're motivated. They have a buddy that needs Jesus. They know they want to get him to Jesus. They, they brought him there, and now they're there, and it's like, oh, man. Man, we can't even get in the door. And so, in some cases, maybe they would have said, you know what? We'll just come back tomorrow. We'll beat the crowds. We'll, we'll just get back tomorrow. But that's not what these guys did. And in fact, as I was thinking about these guys I was thinking about how important they must have thought it was to get to Jesus because of what they're about to do. So would I have done this? I was thinking about these questions as I thought about myself. What would have stopped me? Like, oh, it's, it's too full. I, I don't know. Would that have just stop me? Like I would have just given up? What obstacle would have been too big for me to get my friend to Jesus? What, what inconvenience would have been too inconvenient where it's like, man, I'll, I'll do this and this to get my friend to Jesus, but man, if it, I, I'm not getting into that. I don't have time for that. What, what would have stopped me? For these guys, they, they, they hear Jesus probably. They can't get to him. They maybe can't even see him because of the crowds, but they know he's there. They've got a friend that's paralyzed, that needs Jesus, that, can't, that has no hope at it on his own. And so they do something radical. It says this. They remove the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. So, so many homes back in this day would have kind of like a side stairway to get up onto the roof. And a lot of people used a roof almost like we would use a patio. And so the, this roof is, is made of slabs of dried clay and and so it's, uh, it's pretty strong. It's not like, you know, just pull some twigs off and tear the roof apart and bring your friend. Like, this is a little bit of work. Like, like Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, clay starts falling on the crowd. And all of a sudden, there's daylight where there's not supposed to be daylight. And these dudes, they, they literally tear the roof off, and they lower their friend to where Jesus is. 
And it says this, seeing their faith, not just the the paralyzed guys, but the faith of these guys. Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, Jesus, he didn't come here to get his sins forgiven. He came here to get healed. Jesus always starts with the heart. He's always focused on the heart first. And so he, man, he, he sees this guy come down. He, you don't read in the gospels that Jesus is put off by this, that he's angry. Like, man, you're messing up my speech. You're messing up what I'm trying to do. This guy comes down and Jesus, he's, he's just, the faith of these guys just catches him. And he, he looks at this dude and he says, buddy, your, your sins are forgiven. Like these guys, and maybe you can relate with this, like the guys in the story, they knew they had no ability to heal their friend. They had no ability to heal him physically. They had no ability to heal him spiritually and deal with his heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I try, and if you're honest, maybe you have too, I have tried to create and manage passion in people's heart for Jesus. And maybe you've tried to do the same thing. And usually that doesn't go well. And usually it's frustrating. It's sometimes when we try to manage people's passion and we try to create something in them that isn't there or isn't where we hoped it would be. We just frustrate the situation. And these guys, they knew that, man, we can't fix our friend. We can't change our friend's heart any more than you and I can heal somebody, any more than you and I can change the heart of somebody that we love. But here's what they knew they could do. They could remove barriers to get their friend closer to Jesus. And so they decided, we can't change his heart, we can't fix him, but we're going to remove unnecessary barriers because we know who can. And we got to get him closer. And so that's what they did. But uh, as kind of was all throughout Jesus' ministry, as Jesus is doing this incredible thing, not everybody in the room is excited. It says this, but some of the scribes, the kind of the religious leaders were sitting there and they were questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, they're, they're past the dude just came down through the middle of the room. They're, they're, they're not even thinking about that. They're thinking about Jesus just said he forgave this guy's sins. And so in their mind, they're saying, you know what? Only God can forgive sins, which means Jesus is claiming to be God, which is what he was doing. And for them, that was a serious offense and it was punishable by death. And what's so interesting, and this is, man, move 2,000 years forward. Religion, in many cases, becomes the biggest barrier to people actually connecting with Jesus. The greatest obstacles that Jesus faced during his ministry, the greatest barriers to people that he was trying to reach them changing was, in many cases, religion. And it was the guys that were supposed to know the most about God that were the ones that were creating the biggest barriers and the most unnecessary barriers. And, and it goes on, because here's Jesus. He, he knows what these guys are thinking. Again, he's God. So he's just told this dude, hey, your sins are forgiven. 
And, and he knows, even though these guys probably haven't said it aloud yet, he knows these religious leaders in the room, they're, they're saying things in their mind. And so Jesus says this, he says, right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? See, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And Jesus never has an issue working through a tough question. Like he's like, you, you guys want to go there? You, you want to go to my deity and me being God? Let's go there. Let's talk about that. And that's what he does. He says, he asked a question and Jesus was the master question asker. We should probably learn from him in a lot of ways, but that's one thing we should learn. He asked questions that really help people think. And he said this, this was his question because he wasn't, there's all these people there. He's not going to like, let's, all right, let's go religious leaders. No, he's like, all right, let's, let me, let me bring some things out. He says this, he says, Hey, religious leaders, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. So, hey, hey, religious leaders, what, what's an easier thing for me to do? Is it easier for me to forgive him of his sins on the inside, or is it easier for me to basically heal him on the outside? What's easier? And on the surface, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't prove or disprove that. That's on the inside. I mean, it's, it's impossible to disprove. I mean, healing somebody who's obviously paralyzed would be harder because it would be more obvious. Like I could be like, oh, your sins are forgiven. And you could be like, no, they're not. Well, you can't prove that. But if you're a paralytic that hasn't walked for decades and I all of a sudden say, hey, get up and walk. And you get up and walk, pretty obvious that it worked. And so Jesus asked that. He says, hey, so what's harder? And then he, then he goes on and he says this. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that you'll know that I have the ability to go into the heart and do heart work that you can't see. Just to prove to you that I can do that because I'm God. He says this, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus says, I'm, I'm going I'm to heal this guy's physical body to prove to you that I have the power to heal him spiritually as well. And it says this in verse 12, immediately he got up, he took up the mat, he went out in front of everybody. And it's like, obvious, the dude just that was let, you know, brought down through the ceiling gets up and he carries the mat out that he was laying on. He, he gets up, he walks away. And it says this, as a result, they were all astounded. It's like, you think? And they gave glory to God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Their, I mean, their minds were blown. That they had never experienced anyone like Jesus. And so, man, they're just, their, their minds are blown. They just came to, to hear this dude teach a little bit. They had heard he had done some healing, but man, they just saw something that they had never seen. It was just, it blew their minds. And then it goes on. And as Mark continues on in this discussion, he, he, he talks about now what Jesus did right after this. It says, Jesus went out again beside the sea. 
the whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. I mean, everybody, he's just following him now. Like, you will not believe what we just saw Jesus do. And everybody's just following him. They're, they're trying to stick with him. They're listening to every word. Like, they just saw something amazing. And, and while Jesus is walking and these people are following him, Jesus does something absurd and offensive to a lot of people. It says this, Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. So Levi is also known as Matthew, and Levi is the most despised profession that you could have as a Jewish person. He was a tax collector. And so for us, it's like, all right, we have a tax collector in our city. We have somebody that deals with that. And you know, that's maybe not our favorite person in the world, but we don't despise the person. We might not like what they do, but they despise the tax collector. And here's why. Because a tax collector was somebody who had kind of, they had bought like a, a tax franchise from Rome who was the enemy. They had bought a tax franchise from Rome and th- what they were to do is they were to then collect taxes for Rome and anything they collected above and beyond what, what was owed to Rome, they got to keep. And these weren't the most honest cats on the, on the planet. And so these, these tax collectors, man, they would collect what they owed to Rome But then they would also put new taxes on the back of their neighbors. And so these Jewish guys, they were literally getting rich off the backs of their own country. They were traitors. They were despised. They were thieves. And so Jesus comes up to this guy named Levi, who everybody hates, and he starts to talk to them. And he says this. He says, he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. See, God had, must have been working on Matthew. Maybe Matthew had, Levi Matthew had been kind of seeing what Jesus had done. Maybe he had been hearing his teaching. God had been working on him. And so when Jesus came and said, hey, Matthew, leave your tax collecting. Leave your old life. Follow me. Okay. He gets up and he follows and not only did Jesus talk to somebody that everybody hated and ask him to like come and be a part of the team, then he did like even, even more unspeakable. He actually went to the guy's house and hung out. And it says this in verse 15, while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. Look at that last phrase. So not only was Jesus hanging out with one of these awful people, it says many tax collectors. I mean, tax collectors had their own category. They didn't even get them categorized under sinners. It was like they're sinners and then there's even worse people and those are the tax collectors. So Jesus, he's hanging out at Levi's house. He's watching Monday night football or whatever's happening. He's having some wings. He's, he's hanging out with the guys and, and, and he's not just hanging out with a few of them. They're, it's a party of terrible people. And here's the the worst part, because many of those people were following Jesus. What? And so you can imagine the religious leaders were not, they didn't get an invitation to this party. And if they would have gotten one, they wouldn't have come. But they're outside just livid. And it says this, when the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, 
They ask his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, why is Jesus hanging out with these people? Doesn't he know this is not the crowd? You don't hang out with these people. We have worked very hard to put a lot of obstacles between us and these people. Why would Jesus just go sit down with them? Why is he doing this? See, they, they, had, they had put so many religious barriers between God and these people. They thought, who in the world would, would kill their own reputation by going to hang out with these guys? But that's what Jesus was doing. And again, because Jesus is God, he hears this stuff being said. He says, when Jesus heard this, he, he has one of these drop the mic phrases. That was actually, it was kind of an old proverb that they probably already knew, but he had this, this drop the mic moment where he's, yeah, he's, he's not like pretending, he's not apologizing for hanging out with these people. Uh, he's obviously good with it. But he says this, he says this to the religious leaders, and maybe he says it to them, and maybe he says it so loud so that everybody can hear, I don't know. But he says this, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call, I came to call sinners. Man, if you're, if you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. If you're healthy, don't go waste your money at the doctor. If you're not healthy, go see a doctor. Because doctors are for people that aren't healthy, that are sick. Jesus said, I didn't come here for you guys. You, obviously, you guys have it, must have it all together. You're perfect. You don't have any issues. See, I came for the people that have issues, and they know they have issues. That's, that's why I came. And if you think about it, just by the fact that Jesus left heaven and came to earth, he was removing one of the biggest barriers to people having a relationship with God. He was saying, you know what? Man, well, I want to have a relationship with these people. So, man, one of the barriers is, man, I'm not, I need to be with them in the flesh. I need to be God with us. And so from Jesus even being in the room, he was saying, man, I've torn away one of the biggest barriers. You literally have God sitting at your table. I'm with you. But, but then during his ministry, if you, if you read through the Gospels, and you read through Jesus' ministry, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, Jesus continually removed barriers. He removed cultural barriers. He spent time with people that others wouldn't. He loved people that others thought were unlovable. He invited people to follow him that others had given up on. Just how Jesus treated women was culturally crazy. He, he was gracious and loving and he treated them with respect which didn't happen in this culture he continually tore away barriers so he could have a relationship with people and then after living 33 years on earth he just he destroyed the biggest barrier the biggest barrier was sin Sin separated God from man. And so at the age of 33, he, after living a sinless life for 33 years, said, hey, there's one more really big barrier, and I'm going to go take care of it. And so he died on the cross. He shed his blood, not for his sin, but for my sin, for your sin. They put his body in the grave, and then he rose from the grave, taking away another barrier, the barrier of death. Death no longer has power. 
He removed that barrier as well. See, Jesus all throughout his ministry was about removing unnecessary barriers to people having a relationship with God. And here's the thing, and don't, so don't, get, don't, hear, don't hear me saying what I'm not really saying. Truth is and will always be a necessary barrier to people embracing Jesus. Always. Truth is offensive. It will always be a barrier. It's a necessary barrier. You can't remove truth. If somebody doesn't like the truth, I'm sorry. And that's, that's, they got to deal with that. So there's, truth is a barrier. And if you don't think, Jesus, man, he, he said it like it was. In fact, he said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Jesus, don't you know this is a barrier? You're telling me there's one way? Oh, that's going to be an issue for some people, Jesus. Sorry. Truth is a necessary barrier. But there's a lot of unnecessary barriers that need to be moved. And again, just think back to some of your stories. Think back to some of the stories of people that you love deeply that for whatever reason won't, won't move towards faith, won't come to church with you. They, they don't want anything to do with that. It's probably not because they hate Jesus. It's probably not even because they hate something he said. They might hate something they thought he said or what someone told them they said that he said. But for most people, the unnecessary barrier is something that can be moved. And that's what we want to be about. Because here's the thing. No church and no individual follower of Jesus ever sets out to build or become a barrier to people connecting with Jesus. No, no church ever starts out, you know what? Our, we just want to tick people off in our community. We hope people just hate God by the way we act. We just, we want to get so off focus. Like nobody sets out to be that. No individual follower of Jesus sets out to be, you know what? I hope throughout my life that I can, instead of helping people come to Jesus, I hope I can just set up barriers to them coming to Jesus. No one sets out to do that. But, but here's what happens. What happens is Jesus gets moved from the center and other things become a priority and the barriers just begin to be built. And here's what I mean. Let me give you a few of them. Some people, they, they remove Jesus from the center and they replace Jesus with a system. And it's, a system is religious traditions. A system is you have to listen to the music I listen to. You have to dress the way I dress. You have to read out of the Bible translation I read out of. And, and, and so we become, we, we put this system, and some of you grew up in a situation like that where Jesus, nobody ever said, we're moving Jesus from the center and we're making our system the center. But you grew up in, in a system where it, Jesus wasn't central, it was the system, it was the program. And if as long as you checked all the right boxes, and as long as you didn't do all these things, as long as you voted the way we vote, as long as you dress the way we dress, as long as you cut your hair the way we cut your, our hair, you're good. 
And you know what that did? It just built barriers to people coming to Jesus. A system. Uh, another, another one that builds barriers is, is our personal comfort. We, we move Jesus away from the center and we make our personal comfort what's central. And so we look at Jesus and the church almost like we're a consumer, like we're picking a restaurant, like we're, like we're going to a movie. And at the end of the movie, hey, that was good. I wish they would have done this. wish they would have done that. We come with the mindset of, hey, I'm here to get, 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 get. And so when someone or so, you know, gets in the way or we start bringing in some people that make it a little less comfortable for me, I start to build barriers because it's about my comfort. It's about what makes me happy. It, it's about what makes me comfortable. And again, we would never say that out loud. And for, for a lot of us, we don't even know that's the issue. But quietly, Jesus has moved away from the center and a system has moved into the center or my comfort has moved into the center or another one is this, culture. Culture moves to the center. And again, who, are we trying to not be relevant to the culture? Of course not. But when we start taking our cues from the culture and, and relevance and political correctness become central and Jesus isn't, we build barriers. And that's, what ha- that's, that's, that's why churches, that's why individuals... They, they, have, they build barriers, and that's why we have a bunch of people that, man, if, if we would remove unnecessary barriers, more people would lean in. But before we know it, we, with our system, with our personal comfort, with our culture, with all the other things we put in the center, we create barriers for people to get through to con- connect with Jesus. And the thing is, this isn't new. I mean, you think, man, I bet the guys like, that hung out with Jesus, they, they probably didn't have this issue. They had it huge. In fact, at the very beginning, when Jesus left heaven to come to, you know, like left earth to, to go back to heaven, and kind of the, the early church started, early church was started in, in basically a Jewish world. But then there was this renegade guy named Paul that like, messed up everything. Like he started taking the message that was for the Jewish people to people that weren't Jews. He, he started taking the message to Gentiles. And, and Gentiles started believing it. And they started leaning into it. And so, man, just like they probably must have been Baptists because they had to like have a committee. They had to get some people together. Like, imagine this. They had to get some people together to say, hey, are we going to let Gentiles follow Jesus? We got to figure this out. And so they get together in this committee and they're, all right, should we put like this stipulation on them and this stipulation on them? And, and, and they were kind of had to meet about this. Were, were we, we going to let Gentiles in? And then James, who was Jesus's brother, and he happened to be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. I don't know if he just got tired of the conversation, if he was fed up or he was just like, dude, I'm ready for lunch. So let me just close this out with one statement. And here's what James says in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. He said, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. You mean we we don't have to tell them to dress like us? 
We, they don't have to listen to our music. You mean they can vote different than us? Don't make it difficult for people that want to come to God. Remove unnecessary barriers for people that need to get to Jesus. So here's my question. Here's my question. It's kind of a personal question for you, and it's a question for you if you're watching online or you're here, and it's also a question for our gathering, if you're part of this gathering. So here's the question. It's just for you to think about. What can I do to remove unnecessary barriers to people connecting with Jesus? Personally. There's a personal application, and then there's application for our church. But personally, what can you do in your life, and, and you be sensitive to God with this, where, where you may not even know it, but you're, you're building some barriers that are not necessary barriers. It has nothing to do with truth. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It's, it's something else. And you've held tight onto that barrier, and you've, you've, you've made it a thing in your world, and, and, and other people aren't coming to Jesus or wanting to come to church because they see it in your life. And maybe for you, it's like, hey, that can't be the most important thing anymore. I have to remove that. So, so how, do I, how do I do that? How do I personally make sure I'm not building barriers? Personally, one, one way, keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is Jesus that he loved us so much, he came to earth because we were sinful. Because on our own, we were on our way to a Christless eternity in hell. He came to earth, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross to pay for our sin, they put his body in a grave, he rose from the grave, and he desires a relationship with us that will transform us from the inside out. That's the main thing. And, and if we're going to be somebody that doesn't build unnecessary barriers, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Again, you don't have to vote like me. You don't have to look like me. You don't have to have the background I have. You don't have you don't, to follow Jesus. The main thing is Jesus. The main thing is Jesus' death, resurrection, and, and his desire to change us from the inside out, to make us new. That's it. That's why last week we said this, we will always keep Jesus the lead story. And that's personal and for our whole church. And so just think about your own life. Is this true? Have you, have you moved away from the main thing? Or are you keeping the main thing the main thing? What about as a gathering? So, so what can we do as a gathering to continue to be aggressive about removing unnecessary barriers? First one's easy, and you guys do such a great job at this. Invite. One of the biggest barriers to people not coming to church and getting connected to Jesus is no one asked them to. I mean, you can read a lot of different studies about how, how many people say, hey, if someone would actually ask me, I'd go with them to church. So invite. 
So it's, it's, a, it's an easy barrier that we can say, okay, I, can, I can't change somebody's heart. I can't make them love Jesus. I can't, but you know what I can do? I can remove the barrier of not being invited. So I'm gonna invite. I, for me, I, I take those invite cards and you see them out on our table and, and I, I just pass those out when I see people, when I meet people. A lot of you guys do that. So invite. And here's the second way, and this is, again, for our gathering. So if you're visiting, this isn't necessarily for you. But the second way you can remove unnecessary barriers is serve. And here's what I mean. Our teams talk about this. You know what our setup team does? They remove the barriers of appearance and cleanliness. So when they come in on a Sunday morning, this place doesn't always look great. And they, they're so concerned about that that they don't want someone coming into church and, and it's smelling bad. They don't want somebody coming into church and it not looking good. They don't want that unnecessary barrier of somebody coming in and saying, you know what? They don't even take care of this place. Why would I want to be a part of this? So they, they get here early and they set up, they mop the floor, they clean the windows, they check the, because they don't want those barriers of unclean, kind of an unclean place to be here. You know what our first impressions team does? Those people that you see out by the road and they're greeting, they're, they're trying to remove the barrier of unfriendliness because one of the reasons that people don't come to church is they say this, man, nobody talked to me. It was so unfriendly. And so they aggressively, they work hard to make sure that they are connecting with people because they don't want unfriendliness to be a barrier. Our city kids team, they're removing the barrier of an unsafe and boring children's ministry because here's what they know. If you're a visitor that comes to church and your kid isn't safe and it's boring, those are barriers that are probably going to keep you from coming back. So they are working hard to make it exciting, safe, clean, impactful, life-changing every single week because they do not want unnecessary barriers to stop people. And I, and I could go on. I could talk about the production team, the security team, the communications team, all these teams that are working to remove unnecessary barriers. This next Saturday, we're going to get all those people together at the one event. It's one of my favorite events of the year where we get to celebrate what God's done and we get to continue to move forward together. So you, you want to be a part of removing unnecessary barriers? Invite and serve. Join a team and help remove unnecessary barriers so that people connect with Jesus. Here's the bottom line. We can be a person that builds or tears down. And really, the impact that we make depends on it. And so we got to choose. You're watching online, we got to choose. We got to choose. Are we going to be some. And it, it, here's what you'll. Here, here's the last thing I'm going to say, then I'm going to pray. If you remove unnecessary barriers, you'll be misunderstood. You'll be, you'll be misunderstood. Oh, they're compromising. Oh, they must not really believe the Bible. Who cares? It's about Jesus. It's about seeing people come to know Jesus and following him. It's about not compromising the truth, but removing any unnecessary barrier 
because someone did it for us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are such an example to us of this. You removed all the unnecessary barriers. You left heaven to come to earth. You were with us. You were here. You you felt what we felt. You were tempted how we were tempted. You you were part of, of what we go through. You understand. You removed that barrier. And then, Lord, you, you removed the barrier of a perfect life because we couldn't live a perfect life. And so you said, hey, I'll live that perfect life for you. That won't be a barrier anymore. And then you removed the ultimate barrier, sin. And God, I pray as we kind of close up this morning, as we think about it as individuals and as a church, what we want to be about, I pray that we would be about removing barriers with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe you're online maybe you're here this morning let me ask you something just personally if you're a follower of Jesus would you say that you're a person that is building or tearing down barriers to people coming to know Jesus just think be honest just be honest with yourself Is there anything that you can do in your own life to to remove some unnecessary? Again, we're never talking about compromising truth. We're never, 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 never. But just unnecessary barriers. Is there some unnecessary barriers that you could move that might help some of the people you love the most connect with Jesus? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you, you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe for you, you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've just never been a part of it. Or maybe it's, it's, you've never really known about Jesus and you're kind of leaning in and kind of investigating now. But today, I, I, at least I, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to remove every unnecessary barrier for you to start a relationship with him. That's how important it was. So God sent him, like I talked about, to live, die, and raise from the dead to remove the barrier of sin that separates us from God. And you don't have to accept that. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to embrace that truth. But that's the only thing standing in between you and a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm ready, man. I, I want to follow Jesus. How do I do that? Just tell him. Just tell God what you believe in your heart. We do that through prayer. We tell God what we believe in our heart by praying. Not out loud, but just in your heart to God. Just tell him, God, I admit to you. I've disobeyed you. I admit to you I've sinned. Just tell him. Then tell him, tell him, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, that he did that for me. I believe that. I embrace that. And then just ask, Jesus, would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sin. 
make me new from the inside out. Just tell him. If you're here this morning or you're, you're watching online and you made that decision or maybe you have some questions about that decision, there's a decision card right in front of you. You can fill that out. You can, if you made a decision, you can tell us that. Or you, if you have some questions, you can write it on that card. And then at the next steps table, just give it to the next steps team or drop it in the offering basket on your way out. And we'll contact you this week. And we want to help you with a new relationship with Jesus. We want to help you answer some questions if you haven't accepted Jesus. If you're watching online or you're listening to this on a podcast, you can just go to citywalk.cc and there's a, there's a digital card for you. Lord, I thank you for what you've done so that we can have a relationship with you. I pray that you would work in our heart as a church, but also as individuals and really help us see if there are some unnecessary barriers that need to be moved. In Jesus' name. Amen.